Hello, everybody. This is Alex Schiffer, the Missouri beat writer for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined alongside my colleague Blair Kirkhoff. And today we'll go into Missouri basketball's big win over Xavier, look ahead to bragging rights, touch on a little bit of, uh, of National Signing Day coverage, and maybe we'll figure something else out from there. Blair, how you doing? Good, Alex. How you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. A lot, uh, a lot going on this week, as you can imagine. I'm looking forward to football season ending so we can put all of our attention to hoops. Uh, let's start with Missouri basketball last night against Xavier. You know, going into the game, I thought that it was kind of a tough... Yeah, I thought Missouri had a chance to win because I thought there were some favorable matchups in, in the game for MU with Xavier being a bad three-point defensive team and Missouri obviously leading the conference in three-point shooting percentage and just kind of trending in the right direction with them kind of being a more balanced team offensively and having some of the freshmen kind of emerge as as reliable contributors. But I was not expecting what happened last night. Missouri completely blew the doors off of, Vander, uh, off of Xavier. I mean, they were down 9-3. They responded with a 17-0 run, and, and Xavier never really got close after that. A career game for Jeremiah Tillman, 23-10. and 10. Mark Smith and Jordan Geist each had 13. And now this team is riding a lot of momentum going into St. Louis on Saturday uh, with bragging rights. Yeah, you're right. There's a, a few things here. Let's start with uh, let's start with Tillman because I think that was the, the most promising development uh, in the game. 20, 23 and 10 and, uh, and just dominated. And I was with you. I thought that Perimeter shooting was going to be the key to this thing, and the story of the game ends up being the, the emergence of Tillman. And when he plays like that, um, you've got um, you know you've got something special with him, and that um, that that opens things up for Missouri in, in a big way. I, you know, they led that game by like thirty at one point, didn't they? It was it was like six it was sixty two to thirty three or something at one point in the second half. I, I was stunned by the ease which M- Missouri handled them. And I know Xavier's got a first year coach and it's uh you know, they're in a transition period, but I mean this is a brand name basketball program that um you know that's uh you know has has played a couple of good games this year, uh including playing Illinois, uh beating Illinois I believe earlier year so um nothing but positives i i thought it was the 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 best game for missouri basketball all season i agree and and going in with xavier you know it's it's been such an interesting year for the big east i mean i i watched the villanova kansas game on saturday and i thought villanova looked pretty good for the game even though they came up short i I thought they put up a very good fight in fog allen and it's been a tough year to kind of figure out the Big East. I mean, Kentucky lost to Seton Hall. Villanova lost to Furman and got blown out by Michigan. It's been it's been a weird year before even going into conference play. So, it, you know, Xavier could finish strong, but it, it just – someone asked me, you know, where do you rank this win for Missouri compared to, you know, UCF and a, a couple of the others. And I said, I think it's up there just based on the – you know, the, they needed a miracle shot from Jordan Geist to beat Central Florida. And Xavier was something that they never really uh, 
they never really looked back in. But I think that it's one of those games where we won't really know until really as March is approaching where it, where it ranks in terms of impressive wins because maybe Xavier gets its act together and finishes in the top half of the Big East and the win kind of gets better with age. Or, or maybe the, the wheels start to fall off for Xavier and it, you kind of look back at this game and say, well, Missouri had no business losing this game based on how things went afterwards for Xavier. So, well, I, listen, they, this is, they play, didn't they, they play Auburn tough earlier in the year. Um, they, they, like I said, beat Illinois. Um, they, they, there are are a couple of, um, you know, encouraging signs. I I did see their Cincinnati game for Mizzou and they didn't, they didn't play particularly well against UC in in a big rivalry game, but, I don't know. We, it's um, you, you know, you look at what Missouri's done this year, their accomplishments. Um, no, I, I think this is uh, just the, the the brand name of the opponent and and the way the game unfolded. Um, I, I think that at the very least, you can say that, that the arrow is pointing up and things are moving in the right direction for for Missouri hoops, and they're going to take some uh, momentum to St. Louis, and and if they can get the win there. Um, you know, take a lot of momentum and big head of steam into, into conference play, which is really when, when it's all said and done, that's when that's where their postseason hopes are going to be determined. Are they going to be a, a sub 500 team, a 500 team, or an over 500 team in SEC play? And I think you know, if you're if you're over 500, you're probably an NCAA team. If you're 500, you're an NIT team. And if you're under 500, you're you're probably uh, you know, looking at either alphabet soup for, you know, one of those types of uh, postseason events or not in the postseason at all. So um, they picked a good time to play some of their best basketball, you know, uh, here late in the non-conference season. Yeah, let's talk about Illinois. You know, the, they're under Brad Underwood in the second year. Last year's game was – it has some some drama to it just with Missouri getting down a lot early because of turnovers. What else is new? And then kind of making it interesting towards the end. Illinois four and seven. They lost a lot of pieces from last year's team. LeRon Black went pro. They had a lot of transfers, obviously, including Mark Smith. But Illinois four and seven and they have they've played a heck of a schedule. I haven't checked a lot of the net rankings, the the new RPI lately, because Missouri hasn't really been a factor in them or needed to be. But, you know, I'm going through the schedule now. They lost to Villanova, they lost to Gonzaga by six. They lost to Iowa State. They lost to Xavier by nine. Notre Dame, Nebraska, Ohio State, UNLV, and they beat East Tennessee State going into Saturday. That is a hell of a schedule for a young team like Illinois. And I don't know how much of that Brad Underwood inherited on the schedule compared to how much he scheduled himself. But, you know, it's four and seven, but five to six of those losses are – teams that are going to be playing in the postseason, whether it's the NCAA tournament or, you know, a very good NIT team. Yeah, it seems a little too much when you think about it. Um, they, they, they're they a little uh, a little overtaxed on the schedule, but um, and I, I, I don't know where their strength of schedule is right now, um, uh, where they stand up. But what I do know is this has been a this is, this is a a crazy series. It is absolutely crazy, and it's it's um, it, it's a it's a series where once a team starts winning, there, there's no back and forth in this thing. Illinois won five in a row, uh, Bragg and Wright's game, and before that, 
Missouri won four in a row. And before that, Illinois won eight or nine in a row. And before that, Missouri won three in a row. Nobody, this doesn't go back and forth. A team gets a, you know, gets its, uh, you know, stakes a claim in this thing and, and they just don't let it go. And, and so often these things pivot on coaching changes and, uh, and when there's new blood and, and I, and I know that, um, uh, that Conzo Martin lost his first bragging rights game a year ago and, and Brad Underwood got the better of him. But I, I think it's, you know, there's an opportunity here for Missouri to, to turn the tide. I think um, I haven't seen a line on the game yet, but I suspect just based on, you know, the Xavier is the common opponent and, and just what the results of, uh, you know, of both teams, that Missouri would be a favorite this game. And you'd like to, you know, you'd like to see, uh, you know, the, the favorite play up to its potential. I'll tell you what I've seen in the last few bragging rights games. Missouri just gets down so quickly and by so much and spend, they spend the entire game trying to have to, you know, having to battle back in this thing and they come close, but they eventually fall short. And, uh, and it's another win for Illinois, but uh, I, I really would like to see Missouri get this thing turned around. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I talked to Kevin Furrier on the side after last night's game. And I said to him, you know, I, I used this for my story this morning. I said, you know, Xavier, you guys played twice when you were with Kamanis and once in that tournament to open the season, they lost 83-80 in overtime. And I said at the time, both of those wins would have been, if they, if they were wins, they would have been really big for you guys as a program with what Tim was trying to do. And I said, I feel like you can say the same thing about Illinois. And he goes, I, we can't lose on Saturday. Five in a row, this is my school. I'm an in-state guy. I, I have to go out with that trophy, at least knowing how heavy it is. And it's funny, you, you talk about a lot of the things that I, I did a radio hit in Illinois this morning, and people were asking me, what do you think of the game? And I said, uh, first off, I think you have to acknowledge, I, I think it's very, it's a, bragging rights, and, and I covered my first one last year. So, you know, attendance there has been hit and miss the past couple of years, and not to get totally off topic, but, uh, but I said to the, you know, they charged $75, $80 for the students to sit on the court and everything in those sections. And Missouri once said something to me about attendance, and I said, you know, they should really adjust the price based on the matchup. If it's a top 25 matchup, charge that kind of money. But when both teams were really bad, you know, you can't justify that given that it's, yeah, it's in a big arena, but it's not a good it's not a good matchup by any means. So I think that plays a part. Anyway, Missouri's going to start three former Illinois players slash signees and Jeremiah Tillman, Javon Pickett, and uh, Mark Smith. And Mark Smith, I, yeah. And I, I think, you know, Mark Smith, according to Tom Orff, the official Mizzou historian, he believes that Mark is the only player to have played for both programs. It's already an amazing atmosphere because when Missouri's playing well, you hear the Illinois side quiet. When Illinois is playing well, the Missouri side's quiet. It's it's a very one-of-a-kind type of atmosphere so that I've been in. Obviously, you've been to a lot more college games than me, but in a lot of different places. But I, I'm very fascinated. You know, I just got off the phone with Mark Smith, high school coach, for an interview, and I said, I said, do you really think that there's no way that this doesn't get to him or that there is any trash talking or anything? And he goes, honestly, I don't, but it's bragging rights, and the atmosphere kind of speaks for itself. And I think if Jeremiah Tillman can have a performance like he did – on on Tuesday, I wouldn't be surprised. Really, any of those guys, I think if any one of those former Illinois guys hears it from the crowd and they get really hot, I think Missouri can really feed off that energy. 
No doubt about it. I mean, that's it's it's a high, it's an incredibly high energy game. In fact, that um, I've I've been to a few Bragg and Rights games, and uh, there is no atmosphere in college basketball like it. There just isn't. Not not in the regular season, and really not in the not in the postseason. When you think about the circumstances, you've got you know schools that are you know basically somewhat essentially equidistant from you know from a new in a neutral site game. Um, it, it, it doesn't happen that way anywhere else in in the country. You know, Kentucky and Louisville, it's a great non-conference rivalry, but they play in Lexington or Louisville every year. Um, this is, um, you know, we saw Indiana Butler last weekend. That's a campus, you know, that was on great game. in Bloomington. Yeah. So, but this is like, uh, you know, this is like one of the college football games on the first weekend of the season where, you know, two powers meet at a neutral site, and so in 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 the good years, you get twenty twenty one thousand people in the building, and there's always somebody cheering. Uh, you know, your your side or their side is always you know, it's always something going on. So it it it's the most unusual atmosphere in college basketball. I think it's the best atmosphere for a regular season game, and it's it it, it gets even better when both teams are good. And it's been that way. It hasn't been that way for a while when. When Missouri was winning this thing under uh, under Frank Hayes, and uh, uh, at the end of um, uh, uh, not Mike Anderson, yeah, at the end of Mike Anderson, and then it, through Frank Hayes, you had both teams ranked, and so you had incredible talent on the floor and great atmosphere in there. It hasn't been that way the last few years, but it's still. Uh, I think it came back a little bit last year. I think they had uh, almost a full house. For last season's game, and um, and it'll be uh, it should be it should be great on Saturday. Yeah, looking ahead a little bit, you know that last night's win over Xavier kind of got Missouri back into the picture a little bit. Of well, maybe there's a postseason game there of some capacity, if or a postseason berth if they take care of some things. I'm curious, you know, hypothetically speaking, let's just say Missouri wins against Illinois and Moorhead State, which they should, and they're nine and three going into conference schedule. I'm going to run through the conference schedule real quick. They are home against Tennessee, at South Carolina, home against Bama, at A&M, at Arkansas, home against LSU, at Auburn, home against Vanderbilt, at Tennessee, home against A&M and Arkansas, at Ole Miss, home against Kentucky, at Florida, at Mississippi State, home against South Carolina, at Georgia, and the regular season versus Ole Miss. You know, I'm looking – I didn't think – Fully last night. Into, in, go ahead. I was going to say when I hear that, here's what the first thing that comes to mind is: I don't see, or I don't hear a lot of really good road W opportunities, just because the, mm. um, you know, at Auburn, at Tennessee, um, at at um, at Florida, at Mississippi State. Listen, they're, it's a, those are those are games in which you don't think Missouri will be favored. Now. You know, maybe you get one at Arkansas. Maybe you get one at. Uh, did I hear you say Georgia at toward the end of the season? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are you know in, in a coaching transition there. Um, so that's you know that's where you hope to find opportunity. You just you, you know you you hope they kind of protect their home floor and then find a way to get a couple of them on the road and and, and get to over 500, get a good seed in the you know a seed in the in the SEC tournament where you're not playing on the first day. Um, and then and then go from there. I, again, I'll, I'll go back to what I said. Something I said earlier. I think if Missouri's, I, I think the Xavier win, and if they win on Saturday, that'll help their you know, help their resume, help their profile. And if they go, if they're over 500 in the SEC this year, 
um, the, the, you know, just let's, let's give them 10 and eight or 11 and seven. I think that gives them a chance to be a bubble team. And if they're around 500, then um, an IT ish, uh, and, or maybe has to have to make a great run in the, in the SEC tournament and under 500, is is maybe uh you know is not a you know not a postseason team maybe not either one of the the NIT or the NCAA so um, that's that's kind of by when when you ha- when you're playing in a conference like the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big Twelve and you're 500 or better um, you, you a, a conference that sends you know multiple schools you know a quarter to half of its schools into the NCAA tournament. That means you've, you know, if you're finishing in the upper half of that, you've beaten some ranked teams along the way, and at least Missouri's going to have that opportunity. They're going to play ranked teams, so they're going to have the opportunity to beat a, you know, a Mississippi State, a Tennessee, an Auburn, um, and and now they, they just they're just going to have to do it. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town, just $0.08 a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash Sports Pass. I I agree that I think... My 70,000-foot uh, view is that there's games you look at right away and say there's no way they get that. You know, uh, even though the SEC is a little disappointing from what people were expecting, Tennessee looks like a Final Four team right now. Uh, the way they annihilated Gonzaga in the, the last few minutes of that game. Uh, Kentucky's obviously Kentucky. Florida is still having a pretty good year. And Mississippi State, I think, is a team not a lot of people are talking about because they brought a lot back. I think they could be a very dangerous team by the time Missouri faces them. But at South Carolina, at A&M, you know, they get both those teams twice. They get Georgia once. Vanderbilt, if I don't see you on Saturday, I expect a, a report on uh, next podcast, what you think of them as a, as a team. But I think that's a game that's a lot more winnable without Darius Garland. LSU's yep. been disappointing. Um and Arkansas twice. Arkansas is a tough place to play on the road, but also a, a, they're a pretty bad road team themselves. So I, I think, you know, when I looked at the schedule last night, I definitely, you know, people were saying, you know, I people were saying on Twitter, you know, tell me there's not nine SEC wins there to go 500. I do think there are, but as you were saying, I, I think if Missouri wins the games they should, they could finish with 10 or 11 SEC wins. Um, but what do those look like? Do they do they upset a Tennessee or a Kentucky or a Florida somewhere and get another nice win on the resume? Or on paper, are they just over 500 in conference play and they did what they should and that maybe warrants an NIT team? So I think that's really the conversation going forward if they go into conference play 9-3 and three, is that can they win the games they should and can they also, you know, and, and maybe even more emphasis on can they win the road games they should, like at A&M, at South Carolina, at Georgia, teams that are, are inferior to them, and then can they maybe pick a team or two off at home or on the road and give them enough? And, and obviously the way the rest of the conference takes out is also going to kind of determine some of this. But I, my, my takeaway going to bed last night was there is a path to the NCAA tournament or to the NIT, 
if they do what they should. The rest is kind of in their court, and, and we have to kind of see how some of these teams shake out. I, th- I think you're on the right track. I also – I would also – uh, suggest that there's probably three or four other teams in the conference that are saying the exact same thing right now, that they, uh, they've they got a couple, two or three non-conference losses, probably no really solid uh, victories for a committee to consider, but, uh, but look like, man, if they can get to, you know, if they can get to 10 or 11 conference wins, you know, looking and, you know, getting close to 20 overall going into a conference tournament that they'll, you know, they'll think they're, pretty good I, I my prediction is in March we're going to see as many bubble teams from the SEC as any any one conference I just think they're going to be a lot a lot of teams that look alike that in the old RPI system that would be somewhere in the 40s or 50s in RPI which is the you know the definition of the bubble yeah let's transition a little bit to football real quick signing day was today I don't plan to go through all 24 guys with you but one I want to ask you about that happened last night that we kind of got a heads up before the basketball game is Sean Robinson, the TCU transfer. You kind of spending some more time with the Big 12 side of things I, I wanted your take on. You know, people are already excited about him. I mean, he was a Missouri, he was an All-American, Army All-American out of high school. I, I think that, first off, Missouri has, going into spring football, Kelly Bryant, Sean Robinson, Connor Bazelak, who they signed out of Ohio today, uh, and Taylor Powell, Lindsey Scott Jr., Michael Wilson, and Jack Lowry all at the position. I don't believe in pushing guys out the door or anything, but, uh, again, from a from a 50-foot thousand view, I, I do think it's natural that we're going to see some attrition at that position given that they just added three quarterbacks and they already had some on the roster. Um, but... I'm curious for your take on Robinson. You know, obviously Kelly Bryant's going to be the starting quarterback barring disaster next year. And I'm kind of, you know, Robinson is sitting out next year. And what I'm kind of curious about is how does Barry Odom handle things with Connor Bazelak, especially with him being uh, with the new redshirt rules and, and Kelly Bryant being a one-year rental. I, I kind of wonder if they try to get his feet wet and, and maybe throw him out there in a few games to see what he's got. But, you know, Barry Odom's stockpiling quarterbacks right now and, and good ones at that. And, I mean, it'll be the first time, I guess this is going to be the spring of 2020, where Missouri is a true quarterback competition since Blaine Gabbert declared with Tyler Gabbert and James Franklin. And uh, I think it's an impressive get for Missouri, you know, kind of going a little bit of the recruiting. I mean, uh, he was a top 200 quarter uh, recruit at a high school, top 10 quarterback. He played at DeSoto in Texas which where Marcus Murphy played, and they're just a national powerhouse. And I think it's a bit of a statement transfer for Barry Odom right after Kelly Bryant where Missouri's now this attractive destination. I got a text in the middle of the game from my old professor at Missouri who was there, and she goes, I guess Barry Odom is now the uh, NFL quarterback Zen master just given the kind of guys he's bringing in. <laughs> and uh, – and, I thought it was funny because, I, I, again, it's kind of early to talk about those guys with their pro prospects, but it, it's amazing. You know, two weeks to the day they land Kelly Bryant, they land another kid that would have had a lot of national options had he not gone to Missouri. Yep, yep. I, the first thing I thought of was um, I wondered why um, – I, I, 
you know, what was it about Missouri that attracted Robinson? I mean, I'm sure he's looking ahead at, you know, at, at the classes and, and what the, you know, what the depth chart might at that position might look like, you know, when he becomes eligible and, um, and, and, and it's just seemed, boy, I wonder if he didn't think there was a, you know, a different, a better opportunity for him. But having said that, um, you know, Texas high school player of the year in 2016, uh, as you said, U S army, all America bowl guy, um, you know, top 10 dual threat quarterback coming out of high school, you know, he's got the, you know, he's got the bona fides. Uh, and, and, uh, I remember, I remember when he started the game two years ago as a freshman, um, is, I think it was the only start that he had. And, um, and, and I can't remember if they won the game, but he was impressive enough that, uh, uh, you thought, man, they're, uh, TCU's in great, good shape in the future here. Um, um, and, 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 but it just didn't work out that way for him. And, and, and so, so now he's looking, I, I, any, I, I don't think you can have enough good quarterbacks in your program. I, I really don't. I, we're, we're at a day and age now where, um, if it doesn't work out for him here, he'll, he'll go transfer and go somewhere else. Maybe it just, it's just, that's just where we are with quarterbacks. I like the idea of competition, especially for young quarterbacks. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, in 2020, when his when he becomes eligible and um, and, and Connor's a second year player, then you know it, it, we should have a, a, a nice quarterback competition. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And and now to have three quarterbacks, at least three on the roster of this caliber, I think just speaks really really well for for Barry Odom and and, and where his football program is. Yeah, some of us were talking last night at the game about how even though it's expected that a couple of those guys transfer. I think if you're Barry Odom, especially going into the spring and, and next season, that if a couple of the guys on the roster currently want to leave, if you're Missouri, I think you keep at least one guy, like or, or try to keep at least one guy, either like a Taylor Powell or a Michael Wilson, that knows their Dewey system, knows the playbook, and is able to go in and give Missouri snaps, God forbid anything happens to Kelly Bryant, just because they they behind Kelly Bryant they are a little bare next year with one guy unable to play and Connor Bay's like as a true freshman so I, I think the biggest thing you know with Missouri right now is that even though they have seven quarterbacks you, it, it's okay you know it's inevitable that some of them leave I mean they wouldn't assign this many guys if they thought they had next year's starter on the roster but I, I do think it doesn't hurt to keep one of those guys. As a as a program guy, you know Michael Wilson's dad played in Mizzou uh, on the same offensive line as Drew Locke's dad, Andy, and and just because I do think that you know Kelly Bryant's gonna have questions about the playbook when he gets to Mizzou in the spring, as will Connor Bayslack and all that, and and you probably want a veteran that even though he hasn't uh, played much on the field, you know he has kind of been through the the warmups and and uh, the reps. And and I, I think that even though that guy's not going to play, there is value in having someone like that in the locker room and in the quarterback room. No doubt, no doubt about it. It's a good thought. Um, I, I um, who knows how this is going to unfold, where it's all going to end up. But I just, uh, you know, what three weeks ago we were all wondering what the future of the position was going, the post Drew Lock era was going to look like at, at Missouri, and. I don't know if any of us could have imagined it being any more promising now than that than it than it is, and that's a that's a real credit to to Barry and, and his staff to you know to to put that put the position together the way that they have and uh, and 
and now they've given us a, a lot of things to think about with with what's going on at, at quarterback. But um, you know, as you said, and has it's been said many times, Gary Pinkle said it many times. Missouri, you know, when he was coaching, Missouri's not going to be without a quarterback, and and it, that that appears to you know continue to be the case for the Tigers in the next few years. Awesome. Before we get out of here, uh, do a couple of things. One, you will not be in Seattle for the Chiefs on Sunday, but what what's your prediction on that game? I go back and forth. I um, I'll tell you what. I hate to pick. I would hate to pick against Seattle in a primetime game in that stadium. I've been to that stadium. It is, uh, you know, it, it is as good as it gets. It's great. It's a fantastic stadium. Fantastic setting. Those fans are. Chiefs fans are great, but but Seattle fans are are, are fantastic as well. Um, it, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I haven't asked me on on Friday because I, right now I think I'm a little Chiefs lean. I think the extra couple of days of prep are going to help. I think having Eric Berry on the field for most of, most of the game is also going to help the Chiefs. That that really did hurt the Chiefs in the second half against the Chargers. Okay, and, and second one, not as much of a prediction for a score on Saturday, but as we discussed, Missouri has three former Illinois signees slash players taking the court on Saturday. Who is the one of the three that has a memorable moment on Saturday, whether it's a block, uh, a, a bad highlight play, maybe a, a bad pass, something like that, or, or a putback dunk, or a buzzer-beating three? Who's the one that you that we will remember this game as the this-person game? I think Mark Smith is going to have the big game. Um, uh, I just do. And uh, and and what what I'll tell you what else happens a lot in, in bragging rights and and I, maybe it's because I pay more attention to Missouri than I do Illinois. God, it's easy to get in foul trouble. It's easy to be jacked up for this game and just to be overly amped. Uh, and and just you know you, you just you, you just can't kind of slow yourself down. So. You know, not getting that second foul, you know, 10 minutes into the game is, but for Tillman, for, for really any of the frontline guys is going to be um, a, a critical component for, for the Tigers here. Just, you know, stay within, you know, you got to stay within yourself and, and, and play this, you know, try to be as, as, as calm as you can, but it's, it's hard to do in that atmosphere. But, uh, but I'm going to be looking at Smith for this one. Interesting. I, I think Smith will be Missouri's leading scorer. But, you know, no one is talking about Javon Pickett. And it's funny, when he first signed, you know, people were wondering why did Missouri add him. Uh, you know, for context, Javon's longtime youth and high school coach, Rico Sylvester, was Conzo's high school teammate at Lincoln East St. Louis. And so he, he's known Conzo his whole life. And I, I just feel like nobody's really talking about him. And, and you know that Jordan Geis is a playmaker. Kevin Furrier's a guy you have to watch out for, Tillman and Smith. Nobody's really talking about Pickett. And I think he's going to be the guy that you maybe look up at the end of the game and say, wait a minute, he had 10 and 7? You know, uh, I, I think that he is the easy one to kind of maybe forget about because there's all these other names going into the game. And he might he might be the one that gets the least bit from the crowd because of that. So I, I think... He, didn't, he, didn't, he, and didn't he have a Got good it. game against Central... He had a good game against Central Florida, as, as I recall. Yeah, um, he, had, he reached double digits there, yeah. Yeah, so so he, you're not not going to shy away against in a big game against a good opponent. So that's a good call. Yeah, so I, I think that he'll have the highlights play while Mark Smith and Tillman might have the box score. So I uh, and it, you know I think I think Mark Smith putting on a show would be would be awesome to see how the crowd gets in it. With same thing with Tillman, but 
I, I think sometimes, you, you know, it's like, where's Waldo? You know, instead of looking for all the big stuff, you got to look in the little places. And I think that's Javon Pickett's game, and I think that he, he's a name to really watch out for going into Sunday, the Saturday. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Awesome. Hopefully I see you Saturday, Blair. If not, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, I'll probably see you at a game after the holidays end and everything. Um, and if not, I look forward to seeing you Saturday. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how the K-State game goes tonight and go from there. There you go. All right, Alex. Thanks, man. Good talking to you. Take care, Blair. We'll see you guys next week.